Father, we welcome you. Spirit of the living God, we are asking you have a free course in this service that only God will be glorified in the name of Jesus. Lord, we plead that we do not want to go the way we have come, but meet every one of us at the point of our need that Jesus alone will be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And the saints of God will say, Please be seated. Praise the Lord. We are in the family month. And we have began to make some serious progress. Uh, we, we now know that God is not the author of confusion. Neither is he the author of suffering. But last Sunday, as we were rounding up, I think it was Brother Frank who said, that people behave based on what they are carrying inside. Some people are wounded and some people need to heal. Our desire is that everybody will heal in the name of Jesus. But sometimes, unfortunately, these wounds that are not healed are brought into marriage. And so somehow you find two people who are wounded in the marriage and they result into so many, many things that uh, happen. And so this morning we'll be looking at a very unique topic with a bright, very broad spectrum. And it's going to come in form of a facilitation. Then after that we'll ask our questions then come to the place of conclusion, the way out of it. God helping us in the name of Jesus Christ. Today's topic we are looking at domestic abuse. It's very, very wide. And I'm praying the Lord will help us again in the name of Jesus. To bring this facilitation this morning is our brother, he prefers to be called a brother, Brother Temi Tokwe Omogbemi. Well, he's the research and literacy officer of Bible Society of Nigeria and the master trauma healing facilitator. You know, the master trauma healing facilitator is the highest certification in trauma healing. It's designed by the ABS, that's American Bible Society implemented by the Bible Society of Nigeria. Beloved, let's uh, welcome our brothers who join our hands together to the glory of God. Brother Temi Tokwe Omogumi. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, that all that we do today will be by your spirit. We pray that you bring healing, O Lord. We pray that your word will minister to our lives. We pray, Heavenly Father, that the word we hear today, O Lord, will not stand against us on the last day. We pray your word will come with precision and accuracy, and it will mend every broken heart. We pray, Heavenly Father, 
that your spirit will minister life unto us. And at the end of today, O oh Lord, mended, broken hearts will be mended. People will find healing. And we pray that all the glory will be yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning, sirs. Good morning, ma. Um, I want to thank the chaplain for the opportunity. And I want to thank everyone for giving me the opportunity to um, have this session with you. So I'll be speaking on domestic violence. And um, today's um, talk will be more of a facilitation. And um, at some point, I would love to get feedback too, based on what we have learned. Um, we have the outline for today's um, facilitation. The, the slide, please. The next one. Yes, thank you. So today we'll be considering um, what is domestic abuse. We'll be looking at forms of domestic abuse. Um, the pattern of domestic abuse. We'll be looking at the conflict of culture and scripture with regards to domestic abuse. We'll be also looking at why does domestic abuse um, continue. Then we'll be looking at how to help abuse victim and also how to help the abuser. That's abuser, it's a typo. How to help the abuser. Um, so we'll be looking at scriptures too. And the first one we'll be looking at is um, Ephesians. Can I bring, um, excuse me. Yes, Ephesians 5, 21 to 30. Submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. And for the husband is, the, okay, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. For he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Praise the Lord. Now, if we look at this passage we, have read, we just read, going by this, if every home follows this instruction, is there going to be any form of domestic abuse? If we adhere to all of that. So why then do we have domestic abuse and what exactly is domestic abuse? The next slide. Domestic abuse is a pattern of someone trying to control another family member. It can be directed towards elders, spouse, siblings, or children, and it can take many forms. No, still go back to the other slide. Yes, thank you. So, 
Before we, look, before we move to the next slide, I want us to consider two important words in this definition. One is pattern, the other is control. One is pattern, and the other is control. So when we say something is a pattern, it means there is a, there is a trend it follows. There is, a, there is a cycle it follows. And um, the scientists will agree with me that when something has a pattern, if you do not understand the pattern, it will be difficult to nip it in the bud. Whether even in, in pure science, in social sciences, the part, understanding the pattern of a problem or of a phenomenon is a very critical step in addressing it or in solving it. So we're going to be looking at what the pattern is. And the second one is control. Control of another family member. The Bible said he gave man dominion over the fish, over the fish of the sea, over the um, animals of the earth, but he never gave man dominion over another man. He never gave man dominion over his fellow human. So when you, somebody tries to dominate and tries to control, then abuse is inevitable because the person will somehow resist it because we are not born, we are not created to be dominated and to be controlled. And also, when we talk about domestic abuse, it is usually within the family context. Of course, not just blood relatives. Some people abuse their, help, their housemates, you know, people living with, I mean, with them and all of that. So let's look at the forms of domestic abuse. Forms of domestic abuse. We have the physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and economic abuse. The physical abuse, of course, has to do with hitting, beating, throwing things at people and all of that. And we know that the Bible is against such. Physical abuse is very common, although abuse we know is not limited to physical abuse. There are some people who tell you that they prefer to be beaten than some words that some people say to them. The way I go with that. And we need to understand because you will, be, you will be shocked to know that there are some people that they see abuse as physical. So they may say terrible things to people and because they have not hit the person, they believe they have not abused the person. And a lot of marriages may be like that. You see somebody will say, oh, I've been married for 10 years. I've never hit my wife. But what the person has done the wife would have preferred to be hit than to, be, than to endure some verbal and emotional abuse. So physical abuse is a very common form of abuse. And then, we have, of course, we have the verbal abuse. The scripture is replete with several places in the scripture where the Lord is against, you know, verbal abuse. There are scriptures that talk about not letting any vile word come out of your mouth. The words that we speak to people, the words that we say to people can either make or mar them. People's lives have been marred and dented by the words that they hear. And let's not forget, as we look at these forms of abuse, let us always have two words in mind, pattern and control. Why I'm emphasizing on these two words is that a person can use words that may not be insulting, that may not be abusive, but if it is meant to control and manipulate the person, it's an abuse. 
Amen? If, it is, if, the, if, the, if the end game is to control the person, it's an abuse. So you see some people say, I thought you loved me. But you said you love me. I mean, it's a question. But that word alone, those words can make the person begin to feel guilty, begin to feel depressed, and cause the person to do something that the other person wants him to do. That's an abuse. So it's not only the person says you are stupid, you are useless, that that's an, a verbal abuse. So we need to understand this. And I'm sure some people can relate with this. Because a lot of people can be abused and they may not know. But all they know is the effects on them. All they can tell is what those words, what those acts is causing in their heart. They know they are troubled. They know they are traumatized. But when they want to talk to people and they are telling people, and they're like, it's just, it doesn't mean. No, it does mean. So we need to understand that. Because at the end of today, some people that are abused will come to that realization. And some people that are abusers too will come to that realization. Because there are some people that are abusers and they may not know that they are actually abusers. Amen. Of course, there is emotional abuse. When you try to manipulate people's emotion, when you try to deprive them of certain things just to get them to do things that you want them to do that they otherwise wouldn't have done until you initiate or you make use of that abuse tactics that um, you do. And of course, there's sexual abuse, you know, in this context between the married people. There are people that are deprived their spouses of sex. There are people that are deprived their spouses of the needed affection. All of these can be very subtle, but they are all forms of abuse. And of course, we have the economic abuse. Depriving people of their needs just to make them do your bidding. Depriving people of their of needs of your obligations just because they've offended you and you want to get to them. People will think about these things, and because of that, because they are trying to avoid or avoid the experience of this kind of abuses, they get manipulated. So these are forms of abuse that we should take note of. The next slide. Domestic abuse is a pattern. So this is what we call the cycle of abuse. It starts with calm, honeymoon, and then there is tension. Then the abuse occurs. And after the abuse, then there is calm again, and then there is tension, and then there is abuse. Now, this cycle may not be every day, may not be every week, but irrespective of the frequency, it always follows this pattern. And the challenge with this is a lot of people can begin to get used to this pattern and they see it as normal. I, I, was, I was scrolling, so I came across somebody's post some days ago and it gripped my heart. Um, it says, no Spain, no pain. Do you understand? No Spain, no pain. You know? So what it means is that this pain has to do with vacation. You know, there are some people after abusing their spouse, they give them gifts, take them on vacation, they are happy. One blow is one Brazilian hair. Two slaps is two Gucci bag. You know, all sorts of, such, that kind of mentality. That's what I'm talking about, pattern. There are some people, they cannot leave their spouses, their partners because of what they gain. 
and they are very sure that after that abuse, subconsciously they know that a gift is coming. And the gift will come. That is the honeymoon. That's the makeup. The gift comes. The vacation comes. The, account, the credit alert comes. And everything is fine. That can go on for weeks. It could go on for months. But then the tension comes. The trigger comes. The abuse comes. And then the honeymoon comes. That's a vicious cycle that needs to be broken. And everyone who has experienced any form of abuse will see that this pattern is recurrent. Thanks for the time. Let's move. Conflict of culture and scripture. There are some cultural beliefs and practices that promote or encourage domestic abuse. These beliefs and worldviews may not be consistent with scripture. In some culture, they believe that the women are like more or less properties. They are paid the bride price, and as far as they are concerned, they can do whatever they like with the woman. Now, a person who grows up with such cultural worldviews will find it difficult to reconcile that with some scriptures. Amen? So these are issues. In the Bible reading that we had, in the book of, in the Bible reading from Matthew, Jesus told, the, the Pharisees were challenging Jesus, that Moses said we can, I mean, give a certificate of divorce and move on with our life. But Jesus told them in the beginning what? It was not so. That's a cultural issue. He said, Moses, because of, the, because of your hardened heart, decided to allow that. So there are some practices that, you know, culture is, is a way of survival. For, is, is one of the survival, ways of survival. It's a way of life of a people. And it's also a means of survival. So sometimes, people can just look at this and say, look, let us just let them do this thing so that we, so that we can live peaceably. And then the people that continue to make, I mean, practice those, I mean, engage in those practices, they don't even know the origin of that practice. And they take it from generation to generation, and it becomes, you know, part of them. So such cultural worldviews will always conflict with Scripture. Let's quickly look at 1 Peter 3, 7. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husband, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not unhindered. Being, okay, uh, being heirs together. So, any, a person that is seeing his or her wife as a property is not likely to see her as heirs together of the grace of life. So what it means is that we need to begin to, I mean, disconstruct and do away with some cultural worldviews and beliefs that will conflict with um, the scriptural injunctions of marriage that have implications for domestic abuse. The next slide. So here we have some relevant um, scriptures. We've already read um, 1 Corinthians 3, 7. We can't take everything for time, but let's quickly look at Colossians 3, 19. Husband, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Love your wives and be not bitter against them. If you are not bitter against your wife, there's no way you want to be manipulative and abuser. Let's quickly look at the next slide. God created people in his image, so we must treat people with respect. Husbands have a very high standard to follow, to love their wives as Christ loved the church. I remember when I was um, 
taking my marriage vow when I was asked to write it. And along the thing I wrote, I said I was going to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. Until today, I'm still yet to unravel the God's Christ's love for the church. Christ's love for the church is something that we keep experiencing, we keep unfolding from revelation to revelation. So if you are asked to love your wife the way Christ loved the church, you cannot, even, even Paul said, we can't know the depth and the height and the width of such love. Amen. When people get married, they vow to love and cherish each other. If a person abuses his or her spouse, this vow is broken. The other person cannot fix the relationship on his or her own. The next slide. Why does abuse continue? So we are going to quickly look at why abuse continue. We are going to look at it from the perspective of the abuser and the perspective of the victim. For the abusers, some abusers have grown in homes with domestic violence and may not know how to relate with family members in healthy ways. This can be a very serious issue for some people. And this may not even be physical. There are some people, the way the home they grew up with, they can say anything to anybody because they were grown, I mean, with very abusive words. So imagine somebody like that living with somebody that is very sensitive to words. You know, it's going to be a challenge because as far as it's, that's why I said some people are even abusers and they don't know. They think they are joking. And they just say very terrible words to people, you know, because of their background. Also, abusers may believe it is acceptable to beat family members because their culture says so. That's the issue of culture, which we have looked into. Then abusers may feel powerless in their lives, but powerful when they are beating another person. These are issues that also could have implications for domestic abuse. And the abusers may feel jealous and insecure in their marriage, fearing their spouse will leave them if they could. So some of these abusers, they are scared. That's why when you hear, I mean, so you hear people say bullies in schools are actually cowards. Bullies are, they have esteem, self-esteem issues. So some of these abusers, they can also have self-esteem issues and they try to, you know, project their self-esteem issues on their partner. And also, abusers may blame their action on others, you know, or on things like alcohol or drugs or say, oh, they are under pressure and all of that. These are some of the things that may cause, that may make um, domestic abuse to continue. The next slide. Abusers, okay, and then for the abused victims, they may depend on the abuser for income and may not be able to survive financially without him or her. That can make them to stay. Also, abusers may believe that they cannot survive emotionally on their own. Another reason is the belief that it is normal to be beaten, threatened, or insulted, and that it is wrong to leave their spouse. I'm sure you have heard of people that feel that it's okay to be beaten. It's a, it's a, it's a misnomer. Also, the abused victims may feel that they may be afraid of the consequences of resisting the abuser. They know that they don't want to leave, but they have been threatened and they are afraid of the consequences. Of, abuse, of living, and also the victims may feel ashamed to let anyone know what is happening in their home. This is especially true if churches foster the idea that Christians should never have this kind of problem. And this is where the issue of 
being open and demystifying this issue of domestic violence comes in. Another reason is if the abused victims really love the abuser. The next slide. Helping the victims. One, one of the ways we can help is to listen to them. In trauma healing training, we really place a great premium on listening. Because a lot of people, they just want somebody to listen to them without judgments, without finding faults. Listening is a very important way to help the victims. They need somebody they can talk to, but this can be very difficult often when they, because they, they are mostly isolated. So they don't have the opportunity to talk because they feel that the abuser is always watching them. Another way to help is to avoid marital counseling. It's not advisable to counsel their victim and the abuser together because the victim will never open up. And the abuser can always, you know, pretend to be kind and, you know, lovely and then take it out on the victim afterwards. Another reason, we, another way to help is to let the abuser to understand what is going on. Help them see the pattern. Ask them why they are staying in that relationship. Don't impose on them and don't make decisions for them. But you can ask them why they stay in the relationship and don't pressure them to leave. A lot of them, they, some people have been so used to abuse that their mind is beclouded. They can't just see a way out. And they need somebody to help them clear their mind, to help them see things from a different perspective. So you are to help them create that perspective, but not to help them make the decision. The decision has to come from them because those decisions have consequences. And they, may, they must be able to live with the consequences without saying, oh, you asked me to do this, you asked me to do that. I have heard of cases of people that were advised to leave their marriages. And when the man came in with another woman, he said, oh, you all planned it together to chase me out of the house so that you can bring somebody else. You know? Why? Because they didn't take it, because you advised. But if they took the decision on their own, they must be ready to face the consequences irrespective of the outcome. The next slide. Also, you help them to see the effects on them. Help victims to see the effects of the abuse that is having on them if there are religious or cultural values that encourage the victim to remain in an abusive relationship, these also need to be addressed. There are a lot of people, there are some cultural and religious values that are making them to stay. You need to get to the root of that to understand it so that you can help them. Also, you need to let abusers know that it's not their fault. Because the abuser always plays the blame game on the victim, making them believe that they are at fault. And this is where we need to be really helpful. There are cases where you see some people say, you to your mouth is too sharp. Eh? Calm down. You, where you, just saying that alone, I mean, the person is already traumatized. So saying something like that, because the truth is, a lot of people, we try to help, but our help becomes counterproductive by the things we say. By the time you are telling somebody your mouth is too sharp, you are indirectly telling the person that it's her fault that she was beaten or she was abused. So in helping them, we need to help them, let them know it's not their fault because there is no justification whatsoever for domestic abuse. Also, you need to let them, help them to set boundaries. 
Victims can set boundaries for what they will tolerate and what they would not. Setting those boundaries will help them to know when the boundaries have been crossed and when they should take action. But if no boundaries are set, then you know, they may not be able to get out of the abuse. They also need to have a plan. Victims need to develop a plan to get out of their relationship, and the safest time to leave is when everything is calm, rather than in the heat of the disaster. They also need practical help. Practical help is important. We talked about economic abuse, where people can't leave because they are economically dependent on the abuser. So practical plan has to do with where to go to, how they will survive, a safe place to be, a support system, all those things need to be put in place because it is a decision that has to be well thought out. And also, another way to help them is to find healing for their hearts. Victims need to find healing for their wounded hearts. In due course, they also need to forgive their abusers and trust that they have broken will have to be healed. Part of this finding healing for their heart is also coming to the place of Christ. You know, trusting Christ, trusting the God to heal them. Because yes, you cannot heal a wounded heart without God. God and the scripture is very important in helping them find healing. Let's look at the next slide on how to help the abuser. Do we agree that the abusers do need help? Do we agree? The abusers also need help because they are human beings and they have issues. And the first thing is to help them realize that they have a problem. They need to come to that realization that there is a problem and that problem needs to be addressed. We need to help them deal with the root cause of the problem and also find healing. Like we said earlier, some of them have abusive backgrounds that is affecting them. We also also help them identify the things that trigger the abusive behavior and develop ways of responding it of, of, of responding rather than abusing. If they are using drugs or alcohol, they need to stop. They need to ask God for forgiveness and also forgive themselves. And they need to ask their victims to forgive them, clearly stating what they have done and taking responsibility. The next slide. In conclusion, domestic abuse is a source of trauma for many in the church, and there is a need for the church to help both victims and perpetrators out of the shackles of this undesirable phenomenon. The negative effect of domestic violence can be transgenerational. However, both victims and perpetrators can find help in Christ. Thank you very much.